Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of That's My Jam Stack, a podcast where we profile amazing people working in this awesome Jam Stack community. In this podcast, we ask the age-old question, what's your jam in the Jam Stack? I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and today I'm joined by the ever-amazing Phil Hawksworth. Phil is a member of the absolutely incredible developer experience team at a little Jamstack company called Netlify. Hey, Phil, uh, thanks for joining us on today's episode. Well, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's nice to be here. Yeah, no problem. And, and uh, I guess let's, let's start. Hopefully a lot of our audience knows who Phil Hawksworth is at this point, but uh, give us a little introduction. Tell us, you know, what you do for work, what you do for fun, that sort of thing. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so yeah, as you say, my name's Phil, and I work at uh, Netlify. So I'm kind of fairly well positioned, right, like in the middle of the the Jamstack kind of world, really. I guess um, been working in there for a little while. So I, I work as part of the developer experience team at Netlify, um, uh, and I've been there for almost two years. I'm I don't quite know where the time has gone, but yeah, I've been there a little while now. Uh, but I've I've kind of been working on. Uh, figuring out how to use Netlify as part of the Jamstack, uh, finding out what people uh, need from it, trying to find interesting ways to use it, and I've been I've been interested in Jamstack and building kind of static sites. I'm careful of using the phrase static sites; it's a, it's a dangerous thing to say. Uh, but I've been dabbling in that world for quite a long time. I used to work at an agency, um, so I did lots of work uh, for doing architectures for different projects and clients there. And I kept on coming back to this approach that I now know to be called the Jamstack. Cool. So you've, you've kind of already uh, partially answered the next question, but your entry point to the Jamstack was in this agency world? Yeah, I, I think really anyone who's been uh, doing anything like technical architectures in an agency where uh, the client often dictates the, the kind of platform and the architecture you might use, irrespective of what the problem is you're trying to solve. I was in that world for quite a few years and more and more often I'd be thinking, we can simplify this, there's an easier way to build these things out. Um, you know, often a project would have uh, an aggressive lead time, but that didn't always marry perfectly with the lead time for the infrastructure you had to build on. So for, a, for quite a long time, I was I was really curious about how we might simplify things, how we might pre-render things and then serve them from a much simpler hosting infrastructure. Uh, and to be honest, it was things like Jekyll and GitHub Pages that got me into this. I think that's probably an entry point for lots of people over the years. Um, I think Jekyll was one of the, the first static site generators that made things really approachable uh, and was, you know, felt mature and felt like it was well documented and had a nice on-ramp. If you could get over one of the two of the wrinkles to do with Ruby, I'm not a Ruby guy, so that's usually where I came unstuck. Um, but once you got past that, I found that that was the, that was the, uh, the way in for me. Uh, and I got really excited about how easy it could be to generate a site and deploy it onto something like GitHub Pages at the time, which I think was pretty much at the forefront of automating kind of hosting of static sites. So that's that was my route in. Okay, and, and how, how did kind of clients feel about that? Like, like you said, like they tend to dictate technology irrespective of, of what they're doing. Yeah, and, and it... It really depended on the client. Some some clients were much more open to it than others, but I found that the the bigger the brand and the big like the more established they were in the market, the more likely they would be to say, "Oh no, no, that's not for us. We need an expensive thing," uh, <laughs> irrespective of how complicated the thing is you are making. Um, so actually, that that became quite a difficult challenge. I found to to actually persuade people that they didn't need to spend a fortune on complex infrastructure and something simpler could could actually serve the purpose um and that 
that kind of played into the conversations I started having with uh, Matt and Chris, the founders of Netlify, uh, back in the day, uh, as as they were trying to coin this term Jamstack, because they were having the same problem. You know, we I was talking about static site architectures, and they were doing the same thing. And I think it's such a loaded term, the word static, that um, you know that's where the phrase Jamstack was kind of born from. This 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 desire to get beyond. The, the kind of baggage that comes with the term static, which makes people think simple. Um, and uh, I think as the, the ecosystem and all of the vendors and tools have matured around this, that's what takes Jamstack sites to, to something beyond static. You know, it's beyond what you might think of traditionally as static. So that's that's where that kind of term, I think, was, was born from. And that was my entry point into it as well, trying to find ways to convince clients, some of whom would be okay with it, some of whom would need some convincing that they they could spend less and go faster, which seems like a sweet spot for me. Well, yeah, and it's it's, it's funny because like clients assume that the more you pay, the better the service is, and that's yeah. not necessarily true. In fact, it rarely right. is nowadays. Yeah, that, that is, I think there's always this kind of feeling of finding something which is reassuringly expensive, um, and uh, I've definitely been in that world a lot, where um, by default, uh, particularly the larger brands uh, who might go to a large kind of you know big global agency which is the kind of place I was working at they I think there's an assumption that they they need the best in class thing which has the biggest um, price tag uh, and often those are the things that are designed to do a wide variety of things for a wide variety of people and that makes it hard for them to do the right you know that one thing that you need well um, and so it's, it's uh, yeah it's it's definitely um, not uh, like a, a perfect uh, um, kind of marriage of well you pay more you get something which is better um, this is a great example I think Jamstack's a great example of simplifying and focusing down on the on really what you need to do and then building that out rather than trying to use a product which can do everything for everybody which as we all know is, is hard to do well mm-hmm. cool uh, so, so obviously you are working at one of the bigger uh, Jamstack companies in the world but how are you using the Jamstack professionally, how are you using it in your personal life, that sort of thing? Well, I, I certainly am still using it very much in my personal life. Um, you know, any site that I uh, that I make, uh, either for you know, my own blog or any of my kind of side projects, what have you, I've got a handful of those. And um, I'm I'm very promiscuous when it comes to the static site generator I use. Uh, I think we all kind of have our have our darlings that we like over over and those kind of evolve over time you know i already mentioned uh jekyll as the one that i started with um uh, and for a while i was also using hugo a lot really got into hugo more recently i've been using uh, 11t on my own site and various kind of um uh, uh, uh hobby sites of mine and kind of um sites of side projects but at netlify we also use all of the uh, all of those as well you know um we use uh, our, our .com site is built on Hugo, um, has been for quite some time. Uh, but we also use uh, things like React Static, uh, which is uh, which I think is an excellent framework um, for things like um, headlesscms.org. That's with React Static, and also Static Gen. So those those are both um, websites that that uh, Netlify put together. So we use those static site generators there. A bunch of template and example sites I use Eleventy on at work. Is is there's all sorts um, all over the place. and all over the place. And the, and the only reason I feel kind of safe in doing that is one of these core properties of a Jamstack site. In that you know I don't need to maintain that 
platform once it's deployed. You know, if I've deployed something in one framework on static site generator, I know that that's going to just keep working as long as I don't, you know, I don't need to go back and keep maintaining it. I know that'll be be fine. Um, so I feel reasonably comfortable with, you know, trying out different static site gen generators here or there and knowing that once something's deployed, it's just going to stay deployed. And that's one of the kind of nice attributes of this stack. Um, the, the overhead really is in remembering how to maintain it uh, and if you want to make changes remembering the different templating syntaxes and those kind of things um, but that's one of the hazards of being someone like me who's kind of dabbling with lots of different static site generators and uh, uh, and trying lots of different things out at the same time but um, I don't know that's kind of that's kind of fun it keeps it fresh as well yeah, so you're experimenting with a lot so what is your current jam right like what, what are you really enjoying using at the moment or you know in, in the coming you know few months well, I I feel like a lot of my colleagues are going to make fun of me because I'm always going on about Eleventy, uh, and uh, I really enjoy it very much. And it feels it feels to me a lot like Jekyll, um, in so much of as it's a it's um, kind of approach and the logic that sits there within it, but it doesn't have that Ruby speed bump that I mentioned. Um, so it's very very portable in terms of both the, the output that it creates like all jamstack sites but also the build environment is very very quick and easy to get bootstrapped with it so i've been having just a ton of fun with that especially as um the project's been evolving a little bit and it started to add things like um uh, like uh, support for javascript in the the data files so it's a that's a fairly kind of common um convention i think for static site generators to have a folder full of data files that you can use in your templates um, and I really like the fact that 11t will let you uh, write those files with JavaScript which could go off and make a request and return data so it makes it very easy to pull data in from different points at, at build time it just makes it loads of fun so yeah I've been having I've been having a lot of fun uh, with that recently and the other thing I'd maybe call out is um, I've been dabbling more and more with serverless functions which I know kind of aren't necessarily kind of from a purist point of view part of the Jamstack but they're they're best friends, I think. You know, they complement each other really, really well. Uh, and so I've been having a bit of fun playing with things like um, using serverless functions as a fallback, as a 404. So for any routes on my page, on my sites that don't um, that don't resolve to a pre-generated uh, page, sending those off to a, a, a serverless functions in instead, which can then dynamically um, render on the fly something that's maybe hitting a, a data source or something like that. So it's an interesting kind of model. I've, I'll, I'll publish some uh, some examples of that. Hopefully they'll be out by the time this is uh, this is this is published as well. Um, yeah, I'm very a, interested in that. That's that's a concept that I hadn't even thought about. Yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting um, because I think there's this temptation sometimes to say, well, we could use serverless functions to to render things on the fly. So we're still kind of you know not having a web server, and you know we don't you know so we've still we still got that kind of simplicity in terms of the infrastructure, but you're not pre-generating then. So I'm always cautious. I like to try and pre-generate as much as possible. So uh, if something fails, it fails in my house, not in the user's house. Um, but it's interesting thinking of serverless functions as a fallback for 404s, particularly if you're hitting something like a, um, a, a database when you're generating the pages. You know, what if you're uh, adding content to the database and while the site is regenerating and maybe creating a lot of pages, your 404s could hit that database directly and then return pages. It's, a, it's an interesting kind of model just to extend the, the reach of, of Jamstack. Um, so yeah, I've been having a lot of fun playing with that recently. Very nice. And so, so where do you, you mentioned pre-rendering and how you know, that's kind of your philosophy on it. 
where do you lie when it comes to like pre-render and then taking over that render with JavaScript on the fly on the front end? Um, I mean, I think that's great. I think it's it's one of those things that you know it's all down to progressive enhancement, right? And uh, treating things as as a progressive enhancement and deciding where your baseline is. What are you enhancing from? Because um, you could very easily argue that a, a Jamstack approach is to render a, a an empty body tag, or maybe with a div with a, an ID in it, and then everything comes down the wire as JavaScript, and you do everything in the client. That's perfectly valid, um, and I think you know it's it. There's this word again. It depends, right? You know, if you're building an application, um, maybe that would be fine. But I love to try and get as much pre-rendered as possible, so that while you're going off and making the request for JavaScript, the user has something to see, and while your JavaScript's being interpreted, particularly on things like mobile devices, which we know, you know, not everyone's got a, a powerful iPhone in their pocket. There are lots of like less powerful devices even if the connectivity is good the power that's required to parse and execute and do all the stuff with javascript can make things a bit slow even if we're doing you know what feels like a a performant thing if we're relying on javascript a lot we need to be careful um so i i, I like to pre-generate as much as humanly possible um and it, you end up in this position where there's a balancing act isn't there i mean you've got to think about what's what's reasonable and what starts to add complexity for the sake of being a purist and weigh that balance up um but yeah i, I like pre-generating as much as possible and then really thinking about progressive enhancement uh, i'm i'll always stand by progressive enhancement i know i know there's some debates around that at the moment but um i think that's the right way to go nice, nice. so uh you've been professionally in this like full-on Jamstack world for a couple of years now at Netlify. Yeah. You were dabbling yeah. in it at the agency. Uh, yeah. Other than obviously being gainfully employed in a Jamstack company, what's going to keep you in the Jamstack going forward? What makes you just kind of deep down know that that's kind of the future? Well, I think I think a big part of it is seeing the the, the Jamstack ecosystem. God, it sounds like a terrible like salesy <laughs> phrase, doesn't it? But there are so many tools and vendors now um, really supporting this and being a part of it, whether that's the explosion in the different types of headless CMSs or um, uh, things like uh, um, image services from people like Cloudinary or um, authentication service for, services from people like Auth0. There are so many things coming along, people doing e-commerce, there's, there's, there's so much. So I think seeing the advancement in each one of those areas that's keeping it very interesting for me um and it's a i think it's a real um validation that the approach is starting to reach critical mass um the fact that businesses are being formed and um and funded and you know established based on these kind of models um and i think that's really exciting uh there there are so many people looking at different avenues now here that we can all make use of um that keeps it far from dull uh, and i love playing with all of the new services as they as they they surface it's nice so i, th I think you might be uniquely situated to, to answer this question uh which i haven't had a chance to ask before which is what are kind of the impediments to to jamstack flourishing in the future is it, is it going to keep exploding are there any things that we need to worry about in terms of hurdles oh that's a good question i mean i it i always i'm always surprised about how the boundary seems to seem to get put getting pushed back further and further away um because you know the, the more you look at it the more you um think of think of the model as kind of static first and you know approach the approach the architecture as i'm going to assume things are going to be static 
unless I reach something that I just can't make static and then look at the alternatives, as opposed to doing it the other way around, where we might traditionally have thought, okay, well, I need, I'll have a dynamic backend, but there might be some opportunities to do things that are cached or make static and what have you. And and I think that's that's the harder way to approach it. I much prefer doing it the other way and assuming static first. Um, so the, the roadblocks seem to get pushed further and further away. Um, I think the probably the ceiling that's hard to get through at the moment is sites that have many, many URLs, many, many pages. So I'm talking many hundreds of thousands or millions of pages. That's really ch tough to do uh, from a pre-generated standpoint. Um, and static site generators are getting faster and smarter about that. And you know, I know a lot of people are working on um, trying to get beyond the this kind of hurdle of can we um, selectively generate different parts of the site, and that's a, it's a fairly complex problem because the dependency graph of you know all of your templates and pages isn't very nece isn't necessarily very easy to visualize um, or easy to understand. So that's an interesting challenge. But once we once we get further down that line and, and the site generators get faster and faster. I think that you know opens the doors to bigger and different types of sites as well that maybe have millions of millions of URLs, sure. which at the moment is is probably a bit of a ceiling for us. Yeah, well, and, and and really, I'm I'm trying I'm I'm trying to think of what those sites would be other than like big news organizations. Uh, that, that's about the only thing I can think of that would have millions of, of URIs. Yeah, I think typically that's that's the kind of classic example. You know, uh, news news organizations. Um, or, or publications that have you know many hundreds of thousands of pages, um, yeah. And and the other one, of course, is um, sites that have lots of uh, targeted personalized content that can be challenging as well. But again, that starts to become one of those uh, points of how you architect it and what you what what you value. Um, so, for instance, um, Netlify, um, the app itself at Netlify, you know, where you go and configure your sites and all of those things. That has hundreds of thousands of users using it, and they're all using um, content which is specific to them. You know, it's the the data which is specific to their sites, but it's a Jamstack site. You know, it's a it's a it's a statically served React app which then talks to dy dynamic um, APIs, and you that seems like a good model. You are giving up the pre generated nature of every page that might then be crawlable by um, uh, search uh, search engines and what have you. But that's fine in that kind of environment. You know, I don't want the admin view of my website's, um, you know, uh, admin console being crawled by Google. So it's it, there's a, there's a balancing act, and it's trying to figure out what's what's appropriate and what you actually want. Um, but yeah, so serving personalized content to people and then having that crawlable because you need it pre-generated that's another challenge. But I don't always know if it's actually required. You know, and, and on top of that, like mo most of those personalized things, you don't want crawlable anyway. So you probably, right. as long as as long as you architect it in a way that the user gets the content properly, then you're probably pretty good to go. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's 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 always a balancing act, and I'm I'm very cautious about describing anything as a silver bullet. And there are so many different ways that we can approach these architectures with the with the tools that we've got in the Jamstack ecosystem. There's that word again. Uh, um, there are so many tools and, and approaches that we can take that we can kind of cut the cloth to suit what we need. I think. Very nice. Uh, so obviously, I, I try to keep these relatively short. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and move yeah. into the next question, which is, what are you sure. actually jamming to right now? What, what's your musical jam? Oh, this is a great question. Well, um, 
obviously, uh, Toto is never far from the top of my playlist <laughs> history. Um, I, it's amazing how often I fall back to having some Toto being played. Uh, it's particularly good on a Friday afternoon, I think, um, when I need a, a little bit of uh, uh, a spring in my step. Um, but I, one of the things I actually often find myself uh, writing code to um, is the um, the 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 code radio that um, Free Code Camp uh, provided. I don't know if you've encountered that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just on a YouTube uh, link, and it's like this twenty four seven music that's good to code by radio, and it's kind of nice as well because you tune in there and you can see how many other people are listening as well. So even though you're not interacting in any any way at all, you've got this kind of solidarity, which is kind of nice. So those those two things. But the only other thing I'd probably mention is um, uh, Gaz Coombs, who. He used to be the lead singer of Supergrass going back way, way back. Um, but he's uh, he's got some albums out at the moment that I really, really like and uh, kind of keep me uh, keep me uh, interested as I'm kind of writing things and and and, uh, and building code. So uh, yeah, I definitely recommend Gaz Coombs. I think the album's called Matador that I've been listening to a lot. Um, it's good stuff. I'll find that and toss that in the show notes. Uh, so <laughs> a- anything that you're uh, you're looking to promote, obviously you're at Netlify, but anything specific you want to talk about? The So there's probably just, just two things, and depending on the timing of this, uh, we've got Jamstack Conference coming up in San Francisco uh, on the uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th of October. So who knows, maybe this will squeak out into the world in time. Hopefully it's coming up uh, very quickly. So that's uh, that's coming up. And the only other thing I'd, I'd call out is... Um, uh, there's now uh, a nice uh, Slack community growing um, for the Jamstack community. Um, there, are, there are already a couple of good places to talk. Like the the new dynamic Slack is a brilliant place that I'd recommend to people. Um, but also for people who are maybe going to Jamstack uh, conferences and meetups, um, jamstack.org forward slash Slack will get you into um, a, a good place for for talking about all things Jamstack. Uh, we we foolishly didn't call it Jamslack which I think Jake Archibald kind of mentioned was a huge missed opportunity, but uh, so be it. We'll have to, that's just, that's just a, a miss that we'll have to live with. I don't know. It might be a little too, too, uh, too kitschy for some people though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've, we've, we've stuck with just uh, uh, jamstack.org forward slash slack. That'll get you there. That works. All right. Well, I want, I want to thank you for, uh, for taking the time and talking with us today. And, uh, and I want to say, I appreciate all the, uh, all the different content that you put out. So Oh, that's very kind. Well, thanks for this. It's uh, it's nice to get to talk, and uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to everyone you've had on. So, uh, looking forward to whoever whoever else is coming up next. It's going to be good. Hey, everyone, it's Brian again, and I want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to this podcast. And I want to ask that if you've enjoyed this, that you head over to your podcast app of choice and give us a review and a rating. It's how people find this podcast and learn more about the amazing community we all live within. <laughs>